When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, but hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. You say you don't read books anymore, but you're reading that crap? What's the deal? One more thing. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. Jack zoomed out before one more thing. Uh, go home. Be with his son for the uh, medical thingy we've been talking about on the air. All so right. uh, anyway, Jack's not here. But uh, to expand upon a brief discussion during the radio show, I'd mentioned um, John Lydon, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. Oh, yeah. Who is one of my favorite thinkers um, in like pop culture. He's just he's a very smart guy, incredibly irreverent, um, but... He has a really, a really good down-to-earth take about a lot of things. And I was reading his autobiography. It's kind of by the bedside. It's my read three pages and go to sleep sure. book. Uh, but it's called No Irish, No Blacks, No Dogs. And it's about him so far. It's about his childhood. And, and it's absolutely riveting about being a very poor Irish immigrant family in London. in I can't remember when he was born, but I think he's 60-something at this point. So, right. you know, do the math. This is during the 50s when he was a little kid sure. and, and the 60s. Um, and, and just the brutality of it and the poverty of it. I mean, it's just extreme poverty. Well, uh, yeah. And London, child labor and sodomy and the rest of it. Right. London after World War II was just, you know, mostly destroyed. Right. So you had everybody was living in, in poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Which gave birth to a lot of the socialism of, of London just because yeah. during World War II, everybody literally pulled together and shared whatever they had and the rest mm -hmm. of it. And it gave rise to a political system that seems good on its face, but has really done a lot of damage to Britain. But I won't get into the politics right. of it. But Jack kidded me a little bit. About the fact that I've in in recent weeks I've mentioned uh, John Johnny Rotten John Lydon's autobiography right. Robbie Robertson right. from the band. Um, I read Bob Dylan's a while back. I don't think I brought it up lately. There was another. What was the other one? Oh, Roger Daltrey's from oh, the yeah. Who. Yeah, I read that, and that was post WW2 Britain because he's a little older still than Johnny Rotten. And, and, you know, I was thinking about, all right, num number one, I've spent way too much time reading about musicians in my life because yeah. I'm a music freak. But as I've said, to me, it's a story of that time. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm starting to get a little bored, then they talk about writing the big album that I've always loved the songs. And so it's like, sure. so it's to me, it's like meat and potatoes and a really nice slice of carrot cake. All right. All in one. A little interesting history lesson sprinkled in with the hobbies that you find particularly interesting to kind of sweeten the path yeah exactly yeah it's it's a, a spoonful of sugar there on the i mean if it was a treatise on poverty in immigrant london in 1953 right. i don't know if i'd get there but get, it turns out to be super interesting right you might get through the first chapter and then okay that's it and, and I remember yeah. there were a couple, as a younger reader, I mean, and it doesn't need to be a musician, for instance, maybe it's a, a president or an athlete or whatever, you know, the, the, the chapters about the childhood. I remember thinking, I don't want to hear about this. I don't care. 
talk to me about playing uh, for the Cubs or the Yankees or right. whatever. You know, whatever the topic was. But now, now I find I'm enjoying that at least as much as the. And then we were on the road and we did this and that. And right. Stuff. Oh. And you know, a lot of the times the uh, the poverty and the things you had to deal with when you were growing up really will spark the creativity and the desire to succeed. Oh, a hundred percent correct. Yeah. Yeah, I remember mentioning that Roger Daltrey of The Who, who's known as a singer, but he plays guitar too, that he made his first two guitars wow. as what? a kid. Yeah, I think his dad helped him with the first one. Right. Literally cut out the wood, and and they weren't professional carpenters or anything. That was just the only way he would ever have a guitar to strum, is if they just put together scrap wood and put some strings on it. The first two of those. And, you know, I've always been kind of proud of myself um, plucky, young, you know, middle class, but like 1960s, 70s middle class where we didn't know anybody with two cars. Right. Um, you know, and it was a little house, but it kept the rain off our heads and all. I was always proud of myself that my first real base, I had to lay away for, I think it was seven months. And it was there in the guitar store, and I right. would go there and look at it sometimes, but it took me seven months of work. So that's get like, the money. That's reverse credit, right? Where you pay ahead of time, and then once you're finally paid off, then you get the item. Right, on yeah. layaway. Yeah, right. yeah that's, that's kind of the old So way. you would go in once a week with your $1.50 or $5 and give it to the storekeep, and you'd look <laughs> <It> lovingly <laughs> at the guitar. Well, right, yeah, yeah. and longingly, and yeah. dream of the day I could bring it home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, $1.50 might be of <laughs> it. This was not 1910. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it was very small yeah. amounts, and, and by the time I got that thing home... I mean, I loved it like a like a son, like a child. I shouldn't say that because I have actual children. But, <laughs> right, yes, um, yeah. but I, I yeah. still have that base today, and I will have it probably until the day I die. At which point, it'll go to my son. But it'll it'll stipulate in my will that you can't sell this. It's not. It it, it will be in the family. You don't understand. This is more than a noisemaker. Right. This is many months of work and long. But anyway. Um, so I used to feel kind of dumb reading the musician autobiographies mm-hmm. and all, but not really. How, I, I think how, I get why. How I do like the it. ones you're reading now stack up against Keith Richards? Because Keith, Keith Richards, was outstanding. Yeah, that blew me away. That was a great biography, and that was another one I've read. Um, yeah. yeah, Keith's was gr- was really great. Similar story, ex- just very very modest life financially speaking yeah. plucky had to fight his way through life i mean literally punches knife fights right. the rest of it right um but you know he, he knew he didn't want to be poor anymore and so it drives you it really really drives you and uh all those musicians you mentioned and he's crazy as a hoot owl they well of course <laughs> yeah they pretty much all got into music when they were starting at 12, 13 years old, right? And they were in bands playing gigs at 14, 15. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Robertson was wild. He grew up in the Toronto area, and he ended up in a a touring band, touring the south of the U.S. at age 16. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to grow up fast. Oh, he did, too. Yeah, Yeah, he learned uh, the adult pleasures there fairly quickly, (laughs) as I I understand it. Now, Bob Dylan's autobiography is, in some ways, fabulous about him living an impossible existence. 
and and how he had zero interest in being the voice of a generation or anything else. Right. He just sees himself as a guitar player. He just writes songs and he plays them and he hopes he likes them. you like them. He didn't want to be anybody's Jesus. In fact, he hated it. And and he tells stories about people climbing on his roof and through his windows, and he'd, he'd turn around the kitchen, there'd be some guy staring at him, and he yeah. had exactly the same reaction you would. It completely freaked him out. Yeah. It's very strange to me how often the overlap of, I don't want to be a leader, I don't want to be the voice, is off, it's a quality of the people who are best suited for it. Like right. the, the, somebody who, who starts writing songs at 11, be like, you know what I'm going to be? The voice of this generation. Right, forget it. They're That's doomed. horrible songs right. you got. Yeah. Right. Reminds me of one John Snow. Of the game Indeed. Of anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, uh, but the one thing about Bob Dylan's autobiography. Good God. The, the only thing about Bob Dylan's autobiography yeah. that's just terrible is when he really gets into talking about the music he's made. He picks one album and goes into depth on the recording of it. And it's some album considered among his worst that nobody ever listens to i think i may have heard part of it once but it's not very good and he goes into incredible detail for a very long time and it's not the least bit interesting <laughs> and bob if you're listening now i apologize because i admire you in many many ways All right. but seriously dude is that a prank do you think there's an aspect of he wants to highlight the ones that he feel are underappreciated right neglected well no you know what sean that's not a bad theory yeah. except that he essentially says, yeah, it didn't go too well, and there are a couple good songs. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why did you? How come you? I just read this. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, just cornering somebody at a party and telling right. them for 45 minutes about this vacation you went on that was boring. It can't possibly yield a good story, Bob. I would love it if he would have got into the making of the Christmas album, the infamous Christmas album that he gargles his way through. Do you have that handy, Michael? I mean... Uh, no, I don't, actually. I, I can't get it for technical reasons. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh that's too bad, because we ought to have the ability to do everything we do on the show. Well, maybe... On the... Hold on. I'll have to check. Yeah, well, maybe... I'll... I'll... I got an idea. So oh, okay, all right. It's going to take me a little time. You got to submit a form to corporate. Right. They need to send it over to the uh, to the New York offices. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm I'm not feeling that, Michael. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about it. We're yeah. about done here. Yeah, yeah maybe we can uh, work on that technical uh, situation. Yes, you. Yeah. Hey, but um, he is a Nobel Prize winner, Joe. Don't forget about that. That's right. What? That's right. Was it the Nobel Dillon. or the Pulitzer? Which which one was it? Nobel Nobel, Nobel. Prize for literature. Literature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. indeed. <laughs> and <laughs> to which he did not go to the acceptance ceremony, right? Yeah, I've got the plans. <laughs> That's exactly what he uh, said. Prior prior engagement. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> to quote the great Alonzo Mourning. He was a big giant basketball player. Uh, I approached him on the court. We had passes to be on the court, and I said, "Hey, Alonzo, quick picture." And he goes, "No, man, I got to." Uh, Go over there. <laughs> and he just kind of wandered away. I've got uh, everything else to do. So to uh, quote the great Alonzo Mourning, yeah, I uh, I got to be over here. <laughs> Did he like point to a pole or something? Or He just kind of gestured vaguely in, in a an, direction. Uh, in a direction off. that you were not in. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. I just don't want to be anywhere near you. <laughs> well, okay. Hey, play hard. Love you. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. 
with hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the metro. No mask, no metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart.